Hello and welcome to the Taste Uber Music Podcast. I'm Diana Lynn. After a 40-year career in corporate America, I took a huge U-turn and became a volunteer DJ on 90.1 FM KKFI, Kansas City Community Radio. Since 2010, I've been the host, programmer, and engineer of a weekly Americana Roots music show, The Tasty Brew. With this podcast, I'll be sharing conversations with artists and music industry insiders with the goal of entertaining and educating the listening audience, all while giving a voice to the music makers that are underserved or ignored by mainstream media. This episode of the Tasty Brew Music Podcast features one of my favorite human beings on the planet, Chad Elliott, Iowa-based singer-songwriter, poet, author, illustrator, sculptor, ceramicist, podcaster, and yes, I'm going to say it, Renaissance man. I was introduced to his music early on with my radio show in 2010. I've seen Chad perform dozens of times in many different settings, including my own backyard for a house concert. He's been a huge supporter of my show and community radio in general. One night he drove all night from Colorado to help me pitch during a pledge drive show on KKFI from 6 to 8 a.m. He was my featured performer on the 2018 Tasty Brew Music Stage at KKFI's Crossroads Music Festival. He leads a very lyrical life that serves as fertile ground for weaving love, loss, and forgiveness into timeless melodies. He plays more than 200 shows a year, has penned more than 1,000 songs, and released 22 albums to date. His latest, released in 2018, Rest Heavy, was recorded at the world-famous Sun Studios in Memphis with his band The Redemptions. As you'll hear in this conversation, he has three more album projects in the works. It was a real pleasure to sit down with him for a conversation that lasted more than five minutes. This one before a recent repeat performance at the Green Guitar Folk House Concert Series in Lenexa, Kansas. We start the conversation right after I relate some details of my conversation with Radney Foster the previous week. Chad suggested I ask Radney about Gaffney, South Carolina. I had forgotten to do that, so you will hear at the beginning here, Chad filled in the blanks. Enjoy this wide-ranging conversation with the true hardcore troubadour and renaissance man, Lamoni, Iowa's Chad Elliott. They were talking about we had to go off to Gaffney, South Carolina. Tommy and I were both getting ready to drive all the way out there. And he's just like, he didn't know me very well. So he's just like, Gaffney, I've never in my life been to Gaffney, South Carolina, my whole career. And I just stopped him dead at the track. I was like, I've never had a number one. So I'm driving to Gaffney, South Carolina. And his wife, Cindy, was just like grinning from ear to ear. Like somebody put him in his place. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I would imagine with um, someone with a history or a career that spans 40 years yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And, and we talked about this a little bit. Um, are you familiar with David Brooks, the um, author David Brooks? I know of him. Yeah. So his recent book is called yeah. The Second Mountain. Okay. And it it's one of those books that's life-changing for me, but it, you have to have a certain amount of vintage on you before you can appreciate what he's mm. saying. Mm. And that when you are in your 30s and 40s, it's all about climbing that first mountain and establishing yourself in a career and obtaining things. Yeah. And you're going to have a crisis, probably. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You're going to have a crisis of faith. You're going to have a crisis of identity. And you're going to have to figure out what am I going to do mm -hmm. with the rest of my life and mm -hmm. how, how is this going to matter? Mm. You know? So the second matter, the second mountain or climbing that second mountain is it's, it doesn't mean anything unless you have somebody to share it with. Yeah, it really is. Absolutely. We've spent the last 40 years. My generation has being the me generation. It's all about me and <laughs> feeling good about myself and establishing yeah. my self-worth. Well, he's saying, you know, that's really pretty much all crap. <laughs> Unless you have somebody to share it with, Ooh, it means nothing. It's so true. So, yeah. uh, Hello, Chad. Hello. <laughs> I'm so glad to have this conversation with you. You know, we've known each other probably 10 years mm -hmm. by now, give or take. And the time that we've had are just snippets yeah. here, you know, five minutes there or 30 seconds there. And so I'm so thankful to be able to have some time with you, however much it is it. today. Appreciate so, um, I, I mentioned before we got started that you're the youngest person that I will have this I'm conversation honored, yeah. with. <laughs> so, um, where do you feel like you are in the arc? 
right now. You are you are yeah. middle aged, I guess. You yeah. know, to me, I'm old enough to be your mother. But <laughs> the other artists that I'm talking to are that I'm having on my radio show a lot are in their 20s, and it's, sometimes it's the first time they've been on the radio. Wow. They're getting ready to go out on their first tour. They've just recorded their first EP or whatever. Yeah. And then I've had the honor to speak to people like John Oates and Radney Foster, who've been doing this for 40 or 50 years, and are at a completely different place. Yeah, you're yeah. kind of in the middle. Is that yeah. where you feel like you are? I feel like I am. And you know, every day feels like I'm at the beginning again. You know, but but it is like. Uh, but that's great. Yeah, it's, it does feel good. Like because I feel like. Partly it's because of my own kind of um, outlier career because I really have not tried to be in. I've I tried for a while to be in the flow with all the rest of the songwriters, but being where I'm from, small town Iowa, and I've never really um, been ashamed of that or tried to make it in the big scene. I did move to Austin for a short while. Did you? I, lived, I don't yeah. know that I. Yeah, I did, but I was kind of at the beginning of my solo career. I just recorded an album, and um, and I was just kind of getting the feel for it. My brother and I were up for an adventure, so but it wasn't like I was gigging a lot in Austin. I was just kind of taking it in, and those were my kind of absorbing that. Now, lifestyle. was this before Ashley was born? Or no, it was after my after? divorce, okay. and I was kind of. I had left grad school. See, I was when I did this. I was I, when I first started writing songs and playing music. It was with my ex-wife, and she it was a part of a duo. And then we brought in other band members, and uh, she fell in love with one, <laughs> and then ended the whole band thing. And I really was like, how do I write songs for just me? And it really I dug deeper, and for like. Oh, good six years. I just was transient and living, you know, different places around the country. And um, I was without a home for a while and I lived in a van for a while and and uh, writing like crazy. And I feel like that was just my getting used to songwriting as like my own thing. And uh, it was so when I look back now, that was 20 uh, when I first started, it was 20 some years ago, you know, so it feels like I should be further along on the spectrum but I also feel like since I am always just kind of absorbing and writing songs I feel really at home in myself as an artist but as far as the career you know touring with was it ever the goal to be famous no, or to move no. to Nashville or to be mainstream artist in some way? Was that ever? There are times I regret. I wish I would have been more uh, like that. I started writing songs as uh, I just wanted to tell my story, you know, and I was also an artist. So I was really just weaving these things into my art. And I never thought of it as like that I could be that, you know, <laughs> it was as a 20 some year old, I should probably should have done that. But I really was I was honing in on my voice and my songs and my guitar playing. And um, I was creating a small grassroots following. And that's kind of what I always thought of doing was just do build my listeners and tell the stories and they would respond and connect with that audience and it was a small audience but that's kind of the in a nutshell what the whole thing of being a songwriter is is having the really close-knit community of of listeners and so i feel like i've really cut my teeth on that i'm i'm good you know i feel like i'm way way further than some 40 year olds that way yeah, well i think that um it it's a plus to be able to have a really clear vision of what you think it is you want to do so that you can plan accordingly or have a strategic plan or whatever. Um, but that seems to be rife with the possibility of failure yeah. and not being able to do it. And if you're going to keep that goal as the as the holy grail and it's that or nothing or it's all or nothing you're almost like setting yourself up yeah for a very small percentage <laughs> chance of being able to, uh, to succeed so an artist the, the artists that i'm getting to know locally in kansas city and the regional artists um, that definitely have the talent to be a nationally recognized or even an internationally recognized artist to me as a listener or a fan, I don't really care. If you if you get to me and I 
like what you're doing and I connect with what you're doing, I'm all in. I love that. I will give yeah. you my money. I will come to your shows. <laughs> I will watch your dog. While yeah. You do. And it's, um, I don't really, I don't really care if you're famous or well-known myself. That's, that's what I love about you. <laughs> and, and that's also the authentic, um, listener that I've always looked for and I'm always trying to build that in my crowds and there are people that I know that are 100% and then there's some that I know at the beginning they're like, this guy's going to be famous I want to know him mm -hmm. and then I don't become famous mm -hmm. and they kind of go away a little bit and sometimes they come back and forth and so I just I've learned right from the get-go just just do your thing and send it out and um, people will respond and well at uh, least now in the environment that we're in now you have the ability to go oh, viral it can happen yeah, yeah. overnight it can happen so you know I would think that as uh, you know a 45 year old or a 50 year old or whatever you'd be hmm. more prepared for that emotionally than someone who's only 21 or 22 years old. I mean, how yeah. how are they equipped to do that? I mean, I um, interviewed an artist that won a national competition <laughs> while he's still a teenager. Oh, wow. And can't even imagine the pressure that he's under and what it's going to be like from, for him 10 years from now as a mother. <laughs> I really yeah. worry about that. Um, mm -hmm. I think that... Um, to to know what you want and to be able to be happy and yeah. satisfied and content with what you're able to do, um, it's really harkens back, I think, to the original idea of the troubadour. Hmm. You have what your audience is wherever you can make it to. You know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, in the old days, it was whatever you could walk to within a week or you know a few days. Yeah. Now it's whatever you can drive to, and and you can. You travel a lot. Yeah. You Do you have specific regions of the country that you try to reach in certain parts of the year? Yeah, I do. Uh, partly it's because I love the, the travel and I love these places, you know. And I, also it's this almost like this weaving a path, you know. If The more you go, the more people you meet. And it, it just keeps building. And so I'll start playing house concerts instead of a bar that nobody's listening because there was a group there that heard me and they'll want to host the house concert mm -hmm. the next time I come through. And so I'll, I'll try and hit those areas regularly if I can. Um, but like, like just going out is, uh, there's no, no expectations these days, you know? And I think that's a good thing. I don't expect too much outside of, um, setting up my own little zone and, um, doing my thing. And then, if I am allowed and people are hearing it, then I know that it will connect, you know, with somebody. And I know there's that, the confidence is there. Um, but it's also, people will often say, wow, this was amazing. You know, it's too bad too, nobody's here. Mm -hmm. I'm like, people that were here are here. That's all I care about, you know? You know, <laughs> I've asked artists about that a, a lot. Mm -hmm. um, the guys that are in Band of Heathens. Oh, yeah. They play, j just the two of them, Gordy, uh, Jordy and uh, I think Ed is his name, uh -huh. um, played the Gospel Lounge to about 30 or 40 people one night. Wow. And I had just seen them at Austin City Limits the month before where they played to 50,000 people. Yes. And so... I said, you know, yeah. what kind of a mind F is that yeah, to play to 50,000 people in Austin I, one month and 40 people, probably 30 of whom did not know who you who were, were and didn't yeah. care who you were. Um, what does that do to your head? He Absolutely. said, I would rather honestly play to 30 or 40 people That's that I know exactly. are listening than 50,000 people that were drunk and sunstroke <laughs> and probably, you know, yeah. just there to party. It's okay. He goes, don't worry about yeah. us. We're, you know, we we're know. fine. We're good with, with this. Yeah. So I said, well, good, because I've seen a lot of performances where it's not that I'm the only person in the room, yeah. but I'm one of a few. And I really want to project yeah. onto you that please... 
please feel the good energy because yeah. and don't stop doing what you're doing. That's it. You know, I, I that happened to me. I was opening for Eric Church one night, and the very next, it was twenty thousand people. Yeah. Is when Springsteen came out that summer. It was huge, you know. And I don't think they were expecting that many people. And I'm just one of the three acts up there. And Eric Church is one. And I was, I get done, and it was crazy. And uh, you know, I, the next night I played a backyard, and there were twenty people there, and it was just like night and day difference, yeah. and people were. I bought, they bought CDs and they asked about songs, whereas the other one is just like, yeah. oh yeah, you're part I of the arena. Randy had an experience, Randy Foster had an experience like that too, just recently. I mean, one of his songs mm. was covered by Keith Urban. Yes. And yeah. Randy's used to playing to, tw you know, maybe 2,000 people. I mean, the, uh, normal crowds in the hundreds these yeah. days, but that was 20,000 people in a stadium. And he said, I, my knees were knocking. <laughs> How these guys do this night after night to that That's many people. And stay, stay engaged is, is uh, yeah, that's beyond the, me. That's um, I would like to talk to you about your family. Mm -hmm. um, when I first met you, um, your little girl was still a baby. Yeah. And I think you were just recently remarried, and mm -hmm. we came up to Iowa for a video shoot. And your wife was pregnant with your son. Son, yeah. And he's, how old is he now? He's six. So, oh, my gosh. Just so turned six, yeah. So he's six now. How is this different for you, having children that young? Know, Ashley's in college, yeah. right? Yeah, yep, yeah. Um, do you feel like it's a new lease on life, or do you... It does feel is this, like Is this that. what your motivation is to do sometimes three shows a day? <laughs> a lot of times, yes. You look yes. at those little faces and go, oh, my God. <laughs> I feel like that's that's the long drives at night for sure. The motivation is so I'm there in the morning, whether I look like hell or not. You know, they, they know their dad's around, even if he is a musician. I'm trying... I'm always trying to, um, you know up against myths that are out there like oh if you're a musician you can't have a family mm -hmm. a stable income yeah, Jamie Lynn Wilson is blown that all to hell yeah She's had four kids and yes. takes the six month old with her everywhere yeah and that's that's what we've been doing is just building our own thing and my wife does all the booking at home and uh, the kids are you know thriving and, and my oldest you know son is in college and he stops over regularly to go now even if he is in college but I was I didn't have a father growing up for around you know mm -hmm. he kind of ditched our family and that's a that weighs on me it weighed on me during my divorce mm -hmm. when my son was four trying to stay connected with him and and be gone mm -hmm. it was really kind of haunting me and going whoa am I reliving some of these patterns and uh, so yeah I've, I've been feeling like or this. am I doomed to repeat yeah yeah am I going to be able to break the cycle yeah yeah and so that was always on my mind and he moved in with us when he was 11 and that was when it really began that second lease on life it was like okay we're gonna we're gonna get this channeled to where it's a strong thing i can still do my passion and my love and, and mm -hmm. uh, have the family solid foundation to work off of and you got to take a vacation this year yeah yeah is that a first or oh you, we, we go every like year to colorado it's a it's a working one i get paid oh okay i go out there i play one concert and they put us up for a week in a cabin for free you know so it's, it's it's pretty great and we do it every year and it's our kind of way to just be be together and then i i need little retreats like writers retreats so i can just because summers i do so i did 70 shows in a three-month time and it was just like uh, i'm at the end of that right now and so in a few weeks i go out to montana just to light and be alone <laughs> do you consciously do you travel as much in the winter as you do in the summer not as much, no. Or Summer do you though. Just head south. I do go a lot of lot longer distances in winter and spring and fall. Um, summer I stay really close to Iowa, but it's just like madhouse because people we are turning away gigs, which is a great problem to have. We don't have to really look for them. They they're right here in our backyard. A lot of backyard parties and and street festivals mm -hmm. and stuff. And so I just stay. I can usually drive home at night and be home in the morning. There's more so. venues to play around Kansas. City, then I mean, I've been here 45 years now, yeah. And 
there are many venues and listening rooms like this now popping up and um, wineries and distilleries. Yeah. and That's the best, and, yeah. I mean, I'm still the biggest fan right now of the very small festival, the listening room, yeah. uh, like Green Guitar and house concerts. There's yeah. just, I am not going to go to the AMAs this year and I'm really conflicted about it. I'm going to miss it. I'm going to miss <laughs> all those people. But... I'm not in the headspace to do that yeah. this year. And it's gotten so big. And there's over it 300 is. official showcases. Oh. And I just, I just, I'm overwhelmed. I was overwhelmed by the totality of it. So yeah. um, I chose Woody Fest and this hot, chilly days, cool summer nights out in New Mexico yeah. instead. And I think I found my pocket. That's so good. You know? Yeah. Um, so it's, 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 just, I'm sure, more a byproduct of my age and my physical condition than, <laughs> than anything. But, I mean, I got to go to, eight, you know, Austin City Limits Music Festival. I yeah. went to Americana Fest for 10 years. I went to South by Southwest. I've been to stadium shows. Yeah, yeah. I'm ready to, ready to kind of ride off into the sunset. Thing, man. Uh, yeah, watching that's... Chad Elliott in my backyard <laughs> um, play. Um, let's talk a little bit about um, uh, other tool uh, skill sets in your, in your toolbox. Um, I talked to Radney about three years ago. He had a health crisis where he could not perform for six months mm. and mm. it was panic time. Yeah. And so out of that, he's learned, he's learned, I, I need to hone the skill of writing and mm-hmm. writing books. And he's writing a screenplay and he's writing a novel. I kind of put a fire under him. If something happens to this gift and I can't, perform anymore yeah i'm going to be able to provide for my family <laughs> um and i did bring you up i said do you know chad elliott are you familiar <laughs> with that he goes he and he did and you'll hear it in his conversation um, he was very um um complimentary of your uh children's books yeah. and the writing and the fact that you had the <laughs> painting and all this other stuff going on so cool uh, if you had um something happen where you couldn't tour anymore yeah and you couldn't sing or play the guitar yeah anymore yeah <laughs> um you do have other options as long as you have yeah the, the mental acuity to do so right. does that weigh on you at all or it does do you think about what 10 years from now you're going to be doing or 20 I years have, from now yeah we, um, my wife and i talk about it daily probably yeah. <laughs> but mainly it's because we we want i i i'm a little bit like a butterfly creatively. I like to float different flowers and, and, uh, it's a, seems to be a cyclical thing now after all these years, I, I didn't know I could find a pattern, but I found this pattern of, you know, when I am really creative with painting, I do less shows and it's, it's been, it becomes a flow now every year. I know, but you're uh, selling the painting. Yeah. And the paintings the have been really great. Like it's almost like its own income, almost matching with music mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. And because, be, that's kind of the goal is to be able to take a break whenever I want. And right, the last 10 years, I haven't. I have really needed to just keep going in order to get all the things we want and, and to pay the mortgage and <laughs> pay the car You're bills. going up the first mountain. So <laughs> yeah. You're, on the, you're probably on top of the I feel like mountain. I'm at that point now. Yeah. This year especially, we're booking less. And we're we I, last year was great. We could, I picked and choose if it wasn't a gig that really fed my soul mm-hmm. or fed my family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just turned it away. And I was and most musicians don't. They don't turn away a lot of gigs. And uh, I was I was doing that. And this year we're going to go we're planning for 2020 at the end of the year to be able to do six months touring and six months writing and painting and and just doing home stuff. Too. I was going to ask know? you what. Okay, so you've got a day off and whatever that means. Yeah. And you're at home in Lamoni and you wake up in the morning and you don't have anything planned. <laughs> what are you likely to do? Oh yeah, sit and drink coffee in the morning. Talk with my wife. And I usually take the kids to school. That's my job is take kids to school. And then I'll, I'll sit down and with a cup of coffee and I'll write like crazy or I'll paint. If I have, if I know there's a show coming up that I have to have paintings done, I'll work on paintings. 
And I try and find that flux. And I go for a walk usually to get that flux mm -hmm. going. This uh, flux in my mind where I can maybe be open to whatever comes along. And, and usually it's a song. I write a ton of songs. And some of them are just sitting there collecting dust. But it's like I feel like I'm creating this catalog that I need to have for when I am no longer able to play. Yeah. It was all the rage. A big bonfire like goldfinches sitting on an old barbed wire. Gather around the flames in the pickup trucks. I was in an old Buick, but I didn't mind much. My great grandfather used to drive it safe. He's dead and gone in a deep cold grave. So we tear around the gravel, rip up the fields, and the only bit of fun that we get around here is riding on the edge of the great high plains. We were whipped by the wind, pushed by the rain. woman in the back, the dirty old Dodge had a smile on her face on a wrist of corsage. And I was sitting shotgun as we lit out of town, taking dirt roads so we wouldn't be found. Sat like a preacher in the passenger seat, my vow of silence and my prayer for peace. Cause there's no more need to be spinning my yarn, cause the deeds I'd done didn't cause any harm. Riding on the edge of the great high plains We were whipped by the wind, pushed by the rain So who cried love in the middle of the night? Who sang the song, Bad Moon on the Rise? Sweet as a barn out searching for a dove I was running through the woods looking for love Came upon a clearing or it came upon me I snagged my shirt on a honeysuckle tree There's wood smoke drifting in the middle of the night Kissed by the breeze in the pale moonlight Riding on the edge of the great high plains We were whipped by the wind, pushed by the rain So darling, won't you dance with me Long after dark by the shagwood tree let the barn dance come off of the hitch Let it roll down the road till it lands in the ditch Riding on the edge of the great high plains We were whipped by the wind, pushed by the rain Whipped by the wind, pushed by the rain So it was all the rage a big bonfire like goldfinches sitting on an old barbed wire Gather around the flames in a pickup trucks I was in an old Buick but I didn't mind much to some artists that say yeah I write every day and yeah. I've always got 40 or 50 songs yeah out there well the realities of recording and releasing you're not going to be recording and releasing that no. many songs mm -hmm. but I guess as a as a troubadour as a songwriter you at least have the option you can perform whatever song you want yeah, yeah. anytime you want there's a lot of freedom you're there. not beholden to a record company or yeah, no. Whatever. And I've, if I want to record it, I have a studio at home, and I do record my own sometimes. And I've got a project right now that I'm just recording a ton of songs. And hopefully be recording them and releasing them out to the public some way to where it's not just free music, but um, to be able to get them out, you know. And they're going to be markedly different than uh, the studio albums I do, but like that's kind of why I want them out there. I did this project in 2010 called The Den Sessions, mm -hmm. and that was that idea. Which is really some my favorite work of oh, yours. Thank you. You know, sometimes when I'm pressed or uh, got a space, like I've got to do a show, a radio show every week, and I'm having a hard time getting motivated you know to put a playlist together and so i try to come up with a theme <laughs> yeah. and it's a word yes and so oh, i, I have it. i have sought and received inspiration from the den sessions so many times <laughs> that's wonderful because of the word you know you've got uh wood and you've yeah. got bridges and you've got i love uh, whatever it. I love and it. so that has helped me oh, focus cool. on a theme for a show and then it's 
I get so much content yeah. that there's no way I can do uh, that's it. That's so two great. Hours. I love that. Yeah. So I think that I think that that was a great. But oh, to be able to you. do that, you know, if you were signed to a record label right. and they had ownership of your publishing and your content, you wouldn't be able to do that. No, and I've thought about when I was putting that together, I was thinking, what are my strengths? And I'm always asking, well, I'm not signed. I'm not, I don't have a huge management team or anything like that. What What are my strengths? And right now my strengths are, I have a lot of songs and a lot of creative fires mm -hmm. going and and I can, I have the freedom to be able to release whatever I want, whenever I want. Mm -hmm. And that's why I was really leaning on that. I still am with the, I'm writing a song, you know, and just release it out into the public without any words. Well, and you know? that's one of the, so. the, that's some of the beauty of talking to some of these, what I call legacy artists like mm. John Oates or Daryl Scott, or <laughs> they in their early careers were signed to record labels and they didn't have very much control over not only their art, but just what they got to do on any given day. Wow. And now they do. They are independent do-it-yourself artists Love for the it. most part. I mean, John Oates isn't signed to anybody. That's great. Um, uh, Daryl and Jim have their own record companies. Yeah. Um, they pretty much do what they want because they've been they've been crapped on by the by the industry and mm -hmm. by the record labels and so it's kind of come full circle where yes they they do have control but as as Rodney Foster said when I was when he was with Foster and Lloyd yeah. um, that period of his life was fueled by royalties mm -hmm. and the money was good and it was there and they would tour for six months and then they would go into the studio and, and yeah. live for the next six months on, on the royalties from that's what they recorded. Amazing. He said, all that's gone. Is. There is no royalties. Because you know why you see these bands out from the 70s and 60s and 80s still touring? It's because the royalty money is gone. gone and they have to tour and play somewhere almost every night to feed their families that, because the royalties Royalties so sad. Really. Are all gone. Yeah, so, yeah, um, yeah it, everybody's out there trying to get the attention of the public to listen to what yeah. they have to say. So it's a real, it's a double-edged sword. Yes, you have the control yeah. over what you put out having there. Having never experienced it, yeah. <laughs> you're having to compete with everybody. Having never experienced I'm uh, kind of in that good spot where I never, I'm, I'm, ignorance is bliss, you know. Mm -hmm, it's mm -hmm. just keep doing what I do. And I never had those royalty money, the mailbox money that they yeah. speak of. What was yeah, this? Yeah, Rodney Krauss is the same thing. He goes, you know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 90% of my income was royalties. <laughs> it's about 0.024% wow. now. Oh, you know, why do rough. you think I'm out putting out records all the time and touring? Yeah. It's because I have to. Yeah, yeah. I may or may not want Jim to. Jim Waterdale's put out a lot of albums lately. Well, you yeah. know, he's like the Chad Elliott of, of <laughs> Baby Boomers. He, he's got... He's so prolific. Yeah, he just, is. He is a... Well, like he said when I talked to him, I am a song. Oh, he yeah. is a song. Yeah. Constantly. Just like a channel. Um, Love it. I want to throw some names out at uh -huh. you. Uh, Tommy Lewis. Yeah, my buddy. How did you meet Tommy? Tommy was up in Iowa for a while. He was at the same college at Graceland University. He was a professor when my brother went back to school. And he, I knew Tommy was part of Lindgren and Lewis, this duo that was playing around Iowa playing some of the same venues uh, but we kind of had heard of each other and and then um, we finally crossed paths and I said hey why don't we pick on the porch you know come and play on my and we just jammed and and I put a, I recorded an album for him and, and how long ago was that this was uh, what was that because the first time I yeah. met you guys was uh, together was yeah. in Nashville yes. during the AMAs yeah. we were at the Mavericks to see the, <laughs> the Music City Roots and you guys were dancing with us that up in the balcony so that's the first time I yeah I met him well, Tommy was like he was you know I just met him and I thought well you're pretty good at lead you know you want to join me on my tours when I go out west and so he was like, absolutely. He had just moved back. He was moving back to Texas. And uh, so he would have to come up to Iowa and we'd go and hit the road from, from there. And uh, no, wait a minute. Back up. 
he was teaching. He was a professor. Yeah. Just, that just connected me. He was a football coach and he was a health and a wellness uh, uh-huh. professor. Oh. And so I, I, he would know better than that. Well, I mean, he writes, I, he writes poetry and haiku. And yeah, like yeah. That, maybe he was teaching. He's very that. well-rounded, you know, and always well-read, too. He knows. He's, he's great to have on the road because he'll read all the biographies and he'll eat them up and then he'll tell me all these stories. And, and you don't have to read them. I don't have to read them. I'm always driving. He's doing so. the cliff notes. <laughs> like, he's doing it's, the cliff notes. It's like my Tommy notes, you know, <laughs> sig notes. <laughs> sig notes. Oh, my God, that's funny. All right. Well, let's uh, about uh, the I call them the Iowa Music Mafia. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Bo and... Uh, yeah, Greg. Greg. Yeah. Greg Brown, Bo Ramsey. My, I think out of everyone in, in my career, Greg Brown is probably my number one influence as a writer, but also just when I was beginning to be a solo artist, I went to a show. I was living out of my van, you know, and I went to the show in Missoula, Montana. I snuck in. I didn't have a ticket. I didn't have the money. So I snuck in the balcony and I watched this show. He was just him and guitar. In Such a distinctive voice. Yeah. So, and he, and he was... He was just there alone in this darkened stage, you know, and it was just an amazing concert and everyone standing ovations, three standing ovations. And I'm like, well, that's what I want. He lives in Southern Iowa, small town boy from Southern Iowa, and he just plays. His and own. still lives there. He has a very, yeah, distinctive voice. And uh, he moved back after being in New York and L.A. and he moved back to Iowa and, you know, became well known for what he does. And I thought that was kind of my guiding light to go, well, it's possible. You know, you can be in a small town in Midwest. And Prairie Home Companion helped him become that, you know. And I just, I looked at that when I wrote in my journal. I drew this map of the U.S. And I just kind of circled right in the Iowa. And I, and I drew a spiral out thinking that's what I'll do. I'll just kind of create this thing that's going to spiral out from Iowa. And Greg was definitely a huge influence on that. And Bo Ramsey working with me helped a lot, too. He like, just uh, he produced one of my albums, and it's still one of my favorite albums mm-hmm. to this day, Redemption Man. So. Yeah, he's, he's an amazing uh, artist. I mean, the... the visual pictures that he paints yeah. when I listen to him. And he's funny. Yeah. I mean, he's got a very uh, great sense of humor. I, I don't know the story of how he and Iris Dement got together, but yeah. they seem like a perfect <laughs> yeah, match. Yeah, I don't either. You know? Yeah. Yeah, he he was very kind. I sent him a letter last year, and he was he wrote a letter back. Just really kind person, and uh, he very he's at he's retiring now. Yeah, he doesn't have anything to prove. He can do whatever. Yeah, he's kind of he's he done. He's he's just kind of. Does he want to produce anybody? Or? I don't know. I have no? no idea. I can't imagine he wants to. No, no. <laughs> I don't think of him as that. But I, he, I remember hearing stories about him in the studio, just how he hated at the beginning of recording. He, he's definitely a live storyteller. You know, there are some artists so. that um, are unnatural for the business side of it, too. They've got the, right. the both the left and the right side of the brain going. Yeah. Um, I've talked to some artists that love the booking, love oh, doing man. their own booking and all the social media. I've had artists to stay with me at my house where they get up in the morning and the first thing they do is so throw amazing. up on that laptop and they just start working it. That's a balanced person. That's and amazing. I, man, oh man, <laughs> I don't know how you do that all day and then um, put on a show, yeah. you know, at night and still want to do it. Yeah. Um, just putting on a show. Uh, Buddy Holly. Yeah. How did, yeah. How, were you from Iowa? So there's that, that yeah. connection. Yeah. Um, you portrayed Buddy Holly yeah. in a theatrical production. Mm-hmm. Was that honoring the 50th anniversary yeah, of his 50th. passing? Yeah. Um, have you had you done any theatrical work before that? Are you planning to do any more? I did. Yeah, I was always acting. I, even in high school, like I was, I almost went into theater for my major because I loved acting. And but you sculpt. I was a sculptor. Yeah. I decided to do that instead. But I, I've always had the theater bug. My grandpa, I, was, I remember watching. Him him as Tavia and Fiddler on the Roof as a kid and just being like, this is my grandpa. Like, this is pretty amazing, you know? And so, like, having those theater shows, my mom was a speech coach, like, so she was always doing dramatic acting. Um, She wasn't an actor, but she was always coaching um, speech writing and things like that. And so I was always doing that. And then Spencer, Iowa has this great community theater, and I had moved 
to back to Iowa and I was kind of just doing some acting. I did Beauty and the Beast. I did all these fun musicals. Music Man, I was Harold Hill and all that. Oh my goodness. But then, well, then the, you have something else you could, yeah. you know, as you as you age, um, you'll be able to do all kinds of character I, I would parts. love to do that. I've, I would love to be able to, that's kind of like my dream, like, oh yeah, become famous musician so I can finally act. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but, there's some that do a really good job of that. I mean, Jeff Daniels yeah. is oh. a, a great actor, but he's Jeff an amazing Bridges. Oh, songwriter yeah. Yeah. and singer. I love this version of uh, Memphis, you know. Jeff Daniels. Yeah, yeah. Jeff Daniels. He, and he's got a theater company up there in Michigan or wherever it is that he's from. Oh, cool. um, I don't worry about you then. I mean, I, <laughs> I worry about yeah. some of the musicians. We were talking about this. I was talking uh, to Blow Bledsoe oh, really? about this, um, the issue of mental health or mm. mental wellness for artists and musicians. Mental wellness or health is something that affects everybody, not yeah. just artists, but I think that it, it seems to be even more pronounced or more of an issue for artists. And we kind of dismiss it like, oh, well, he's yeah. an artist. He's a musician. They're all a little cray-cray. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Um, but as someone who is an executive director of a nonprofit that um, is, focuses on music and performance or whatever and mm -hmm. the breadth of talent that he comes across from all over the world. It's a real issue. Really is. Yeah. Um, because a lot of musicians don't or, or artists don't have insurance. They don't have mm -hmm. the help. They don't have the support system. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. That it's really um, an issue. Yeah. And I know lots of friends there. A lot of, a lot of musicians or creative types or, you know, these empaths and they're almost paid to feel. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and yet the price of that is also right. your feeling. Yeah. Too our much, community here in Kansas know? city, someone took their life this week and really? everybody's just reeling from it. Like, oh, man, just didn't see it coming. Yeah. And how could this be? And, yeah. um, it's, it is shocking you know, when it happens, but, um, it, it's also, we're in an environment now or, or a, um, uh, a time in our yeah. collective history where the divisiveness is so profound that, mm -hmm. um, for those of us who are empathetic yeah. or feel that, mm -hmm. man, I'm clinging to my tribe by my fingernails yeah. right now. Yeah, and, yeah. um, people ask, why do you go out just hear music three or four nights a week. I'm not doing it because I want to, you know, spend my son's inheritance. I'm, yeah. I'm doing it because if I don't, I, I will go crazy. <laughs> yeah. I, I will get Stealing. depressed. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Know. I think that the connectiveness is, and I, I, I'm so running so much as a musician. And I know a lot of our artists are, they're always touring and believe it or not, you don't get across paths with other artists. Mm -hmm. I always think you all know each other. Yeah, we kind of do, especially with Facebook and yeah, online stuff nowadays. Like, but especially like, Nashville artists, I just figured yeah, they all know each other. Yeah. We don't know each other. We've never met. Wish, oh, well, here, yeah. Jeff Black, meet Chad Elliott. Yeah, that was you know? amazing. Yeah, <laughs> still one of my favorite moments. <laughs> I was jamming with Jeff Black. But, uh, no, it's that kind of you're all it does feel like you're in a little bubble cruising around the country and and you're connecting with the audience but other artists and creative types you're trying to you're trying to do that and you almost have to intentionally do that mm -hmm. a lot of people do these artists will do tours together just so they can be with somebody is else. there a, a real feeling of competition i mean I, if you're doing it right it isn't yeah. <laughs> i think that competition is for me i don't no one can if you're looking at it the way a lot of artists do, I guess, suppose they, they think of it as competition, but if you're thinking of it as like you're, no one compete, can compete with who you are, you know, you are the only one that is doing that. Your story should not be any competition mm -hmm. with anybody else's mm -hmm. story. And uh, so like my camaraderie is with people like Tommy Lewis riding along with me was like a light bulb came on. I'm like, oh, this is a lot. Why all these great artists like Guy Clark had, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> at Verlin. And the the camaraderie on the road is so important. And, and otherwise, you are kind of out there on the wind. And I have a song that 
I recently wrote that talks about that going, you know, uh, you know, souls can get lost out here, scattered on the wind. You know, I was talking about Tommy and saying, you know, that's why I'm grateful for my friend, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. Do you come across in your travels that many female artists that are traveling alone and doing what you're doing? I, I'm struggling with, yeah. I'm trying to be very cognizant of my playlists and mm -hmm. to to not be Isn't gender that? biased and and to try to have gender equality in in my playlist and also even with this podcast I'm having more difficulty yeah. getting women to agree to do it or um, them finding the time to do it or whatever and I'm thinking okay why why is it still? I just went to this festival in New Mexico, not one not female. One. And there was at the last minute a replacement, and she was local. And she was only up there because the guy that was supposed to be there couldn't make it or was sick. That's mm. the only reason she was there. Mm. And uh, I just cannot believe yeah. that I'm still dealing with this issue you know, as nearly a 70-year-old woman that's been connected yeah. in the industry for, or around the industry for 50 years. Why is it still like this? Is it unsafe for them to be out there on the road by themselves? I'm sure there's some that would just say that. Yeah, I don't know. Hard. I know some really hardcore tours that are solo female artists, and uh, they, that's, that's an, it's it's fewer than obviously mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Than the W G W G squared the white guy mm -hmm. with guitar, <laughs> but but uh, they're they're out there I know and they're just fierce and mm -hmm. I I'm. But they may or probably don't have children. Yeah. They may or may yeah. not have a partner that's supportive, like your wife is of you. Or, yeah. Or, I mean, I just. I pulled up and there was a big white van, you know, outside of Pomeroy and Byron's bar and mm -hmm. kind of deadhead bar. And out crawls this out of this sprinter van is Susan Gibson with her dog. You know, she tours with her dog. And I, I just look at that. I'm going, that's that's what I want yeah. to be when I grow up. You yeah. Know? Well, <laughs> I know that there, to... I know that there's some out there, but. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I still get, even if they're not out there touring alone because it may or may not be safe, yeah. or um, the societal norms are just too difficult for them to overcome, they're being made to have the choice. You can't have I, children and you can't be married and do this. I can't even imagine. Where the men don't have Absolutely. that. Absolutely. And know? as a man, I can't even imagine like the frustration also... I have a hard enough time getting these festivals, but they're all dudes, you know. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. and when I, I, when you compound the difficulty of being on the tour life and being in a, in a scene that you can't get mailbox money, you can't get royalties, mm -hmm. you're basically on your own doing these things. The safety thing, you, it's all compounded. On top of that, you've got the frustration of that, you know, just the. The lack of being able to—they're not being offered those slots, mm -hmm. and that—that that would that would be enough to, to scare a lot of people off mm -hmm. from doing their passion or doing their dream. And uh, there are a lot of creative folks out there that are and that are fearless in doing that stuff. And I think there are exceptions, you know, to that—the folks that probably are wanting that. I mean, that's just not, you know, out there. They're not yeah. doing it. Well, I I am. Um... I feel for the, the young female artists that yeah. I've had on, on my show that are just beginning and maybe are getting ready or thinking about doing their first tour yeah. and um, the fear that, that's so palpable about them doing that and how they're, how they're going to navigate that and feel yeah. safe um, on top of everything else. But I'm also thankful for um, the community that we have in Kansas City, and I'm sure it's true in other cities now. You don't necessarily have to tour. Yeah. You know, if you can figure out a way to stay home or close to home yeah. Yeah. and do it and have some sort of a normal... Um, productive, happy life, then I won't go out on the road. I'll stay here <laughs> yeah. you know, and do it. Yeah. I think that there, I, I think that there's scenes like the Des Moines scene has a really strong little, you know, thing mm -hmm. going on now. And that there's female artists out mm -hmm. there that are doing it. Well, we have them here. Yeah. For sure. Oh yeah. And, yeah. and um, they're starting to tour a, a little bit. Here, I, I, just from what I can see online, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, a, it's, a, I'm glad that I live long enough yeah. to see it. The young lady that you're in the pale moons with. Yeah. I've yet to see 
Oh, yeah. That duo. Because you don't go outside of Iowa. No, she's she... got a full-time job. And mm-hmm. uh, we had had a conversation. She did, She was like, at the beginning, she's like, I, I'm not trying to, I, I see how much work is in mm-hmm. that, and I'm not really interested in that. I've got, I'm a speech pathologist. Mm-hmm. So, it's just a little side project. Yeah, and so, I, but her song, her voice is so great. And her name again. Anna Kapaska. Anna Kapaska. Yeah. No, so, I love what I hear. Yeah, so, I, when, love I love writing for her voice voice and I've always loved harmonies so to be able to sing with her and, and add harmonies instead of being the front center it's been awesome I was looking in dark places all I found were lonely faces they were strangers they weren't you in the place no light gets through right now i mean like when you're putting together a spotify list or i'm i'm more into the classics these days you you? know i'm digging in yeah i i I listen to a lot of ray wiley hubbard and and, but i listen there's a documentary coming out about him oh that's gonna be i'm trying to remember dolly what is it who did it the wiley llama or something yeah i mean seriously there's (laughs) that'll be great there's a documentary coming out about him there's one coming out about patsy and loretta uh the country music um series with ken burns is getting ready yeah ready to pop um yeah there's there's a lot of content uh coming our way um i asked radney who He's listening to who's a new artist that that I need to know that yeah. that I should be playing on the radio. And he gave me the name of this young man who I'm going to check out. And I checked him out a little bit. I thought, well, no wonder you recommended him. He sounds just like just you. like. And he's from Del Rio, Texas. Is it Beckham? Yeah. Yes, I know him. Yeah, yes. I played a show with him. Yes. yes, I said, oh my gosh, he's just like he's so good though. He does. Oh no, I loved what I sounded, but I thought, oh my gosh, oh, he sounds like Randy yeah. Foster. Well, at first I thought he was just kind of you know I. I was like, well, who's this young kid? Yeah, he's like, like 23 or 4 years he old. He started playing this jazz song that he wrote. I'm like, whoa, whoa. Like, Where did you mind. play with him at? Well, we played at, in Nashville at, mm-hmm. at, at Douglas Corner, mm-hmm, but then mm-hmm. we sat around with Rodney's filming of the video there that he had a video out. And and uh, so we sat around the fire with Beckham and Rodney and Eddie Heinzelman and all those guys. And So, yeah, but then I, we did a, kind of a song Swat with just a guitar pull after the Yeah, video he's the shoot. one name that, that he gave me. He's great. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you're listening to classics. Yeah, I listen to a lot of stuff that you wouldn't, a lot of songwriter stuff, just to kind of free my brain. Like, I, I've been listening to Chet Baker a lot. I've been listening to Latin jazz. Oh, yeah. Because the boyfriend really? went to Cuba, and he, I mean, he loves latin jazz and i don't know anything about it but we've got a group here in town called cubanisms Cubanisms. they're cuban it's cuban music and it is fun it is entertaining it is uh we've gone to shows with flamenco yeah the ranchero and all the stuff that's just amazing amazing music that really sucks you in and makes you feel something when you're listening to it so um, yeah, people might be surprised what I, so I'm listening to when, I love it. when I'm not putting my show together. I've gotten what off I would into... do too. I, I, I got to where I was like, I want music. And I love big band music. Yeah, that's stuff. I'm, I'm big Hoagie Carmichael. Like, I'll put him on and because and, I want that stuff to get in my bones, you know. Yeah. It's those classic standards, but also like they're just such good love songs. Well, I think you know? one of the... The, the things that I'm most happy for you about is that there's going to have this, you're going to have this recorded history for your children. Huh. My mother was a big band singer and I never got to hear her sing and never got to see her perform because she stopped all that by the time she got married and had children. 
And there's no, I have no record of her voice. I don't remember. Oh, my wow. mother died when I was 21, and I don't remember what her voice sounds like. And that really upsets me. Yeah, and is. I really wish that somehow, some way. So down. one of the things I did, I went to the sound, the the Mar Sound Archive over at UMKC, which is one of the largest cool. sound archives in the world, that Chuck Haddix is the executive director for. And I was there just to have a tour, and we got to talking, and I thought, you know, I've never heard my mom sing. He goes, well, where'd your mom perform? And what bands was she with? And what's the time period? We'll look it up. We'll look her up. Did they find her? Well, no, no. Because she was just, you know, playing locally with local bands. And mm -hmm. she did fill in one night for the Horace Height Review or through a tour for the Horace Height Review, which was a very famous big band at the time. Their main vocalist had gotten ill or whatever. And they right. were in Dayton, Ohio, where my mom was from. And they said, is there a local singer, you know, that can come in and sing oh, man. Uh, for a couple of shows? or whatever and they said oh yeah Rene Griffin but I I don't know uh, or not Rene Griffin her name was Bishop I don't yeah. know whether she used her own name or whether she had stage a stage name. name there's nothing under her her maiden uh, name out there but we went down a rabbit hole you know looking at <laughs> performances of big bands in Dayton in Columbus Ohio between 19 you know 42 yeah. and 1947 and things like that so I thought oh my gosh it's meant to be. I'm going to find her. I'm going to find a yeah. recording. But you know, it, it wasn't meant to be in the ten or fifteen minutes that we were yeah. that we were looking. Hopefully but one that. of the reasons I, I'm doing the podcast and I record my shows is I don't want my son thirty or forty years from now yeah. thinking, you know, well, I didn't really have any interest in when my mom was on the radio and it was just whatever she was doing. I have no idea what she sounds then like. Now you can go back. I don't want That's him to so have the same feeling that I had when I realized I don't remember what my mom sound like and I never got to hear her oh, sing. Oh man, yeah. That's definitely That's part of the reason I, I, I do this. It's not the only reason, but it's part of the reason I do that. And I'm yeah. I'm glad that your your children and your grandchildren are gonna yeah. have this this oral and audio history <laughs> of your definitely been on and the mind. visual art too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've been trying. Could have you have left just left some of it <laughs> left over for the rest of us? Well, that was when, Did you have that was my quick answer when people would ask. So you want you know what kind of genre are you or or what's your goal in this? I said, well, I want my great grandkids to be able to hear my music. Like that's really the first mm -hmm. goal in my mm -hmm. mind is. My legacy is just being able to tell my story because I don't know much about my great grandparents, mm -hmm. and I'd love to have, have that kind of setting. Well, I think you're on. I think you're on the path. <laughs> it's going to happen. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, we're all the richer for it. And uh, um, those paintings that hang on my hall, on my oh. wall, I get more comments. Really? Than compliments. Oh, I love it. <laughs> as soon as people walk into my house oh, cool. and see those, oh. wow, where'd you get those? Well, then, you know, I'm off to the races and <laughs> tell them the story of my very talented friend, Chad. <laughs> That's so nice. <laughs> well, I think it's probably time for the doors to open and the so. show to yeah. get going. <laughs> thank you so much. Well, thank yeah. you so much. It's been, it's been a real pleasure, and I hope that um, I'm around in 10 years to see what's next for <laughs> thank you, you 10 years from now. Thank you again for all your support over the years. Thank you, Chad Elliott. Oh, yeah, thank you. <laughs> I bottled up my poetry upon that ring you gave to me. Got too tired of the same old song. On dirty river, come take me where we're going. I can't see. Once again, I'll fall into your fold. Cause a thirsty man will walk all the way to the sea That cool dirty river's holy water for me I can't sink and I can't swim Catfish feeding's back again Oh, dirty river, clean my soul me catching hell just so you can bend me to your will I would like to remind you of a man you once loved tried and true and all the holes he left I can't fill oh cause a diamond in the rough I am not I'm more like that big old bottom feeder that you caught I can't 
sinking, I can't swim. Catfish feeders back again, oh, dirty river, clean my soul. Feelings back again, oh, dirty river, clean my soul. 